Hey there, Fellowship family. Welcome to your one-stop shop for all things church life. I'm Mark Francis, once again, your host for today. This is going to be a fun conversation here for this Fellowship Family podcast. I'm excited because it's going to get a chance to dive deeper into a story of what God has done in the life of Fellowship Bible Church and in the life of another church. And I have a familiar face and then maybe an unfamiliar face with you. Ben, you've been around for a while, but I'm going to introduce you first. This is Pastor Ben Santa Maria. How are you? Doing okay. So give us give us the um, one little greeting in Spanish here. Say say something. Bienvenidos a este podcast. Dios les bendiga. Beautiful. Love it. You can do that all all day long. <laughs> yes. And this is we we use a lot of acronyms around here at Fellowship Bible Church. Right. FBC is one. The other one for you is IBHW. Right. And that stands for Iglesia Bautista Hispana Winchester. And that is the church that you are pastor of. Yes. And we're going to hear the story of what God has done with that church. And I've got over here to my right, you're all watching left, <laughs> Pastor Scott Santmeyer, pastor of local outreach here at FBC. You've been on many times, and we've shared what God is doing with local outreach in the community mm-hmm. uh, several times. But this is going to be a story that um, goes back in time. It does. Um, for a long time of how... God has led elders and our church to desire to plant churches. Give us just a quick summary of what a church plant um, looks like from our Fellowship Bible Church perspective. Yeah, uh, really, from our perspective, it's a a group of individuals who, specifically this group of individuals, the the people group was folks who spoke Spanish. Mm. Um, So uh, not something that we sought out. In it, at, at the start, but it's how it, how the Lord led us. But that church plan is uh, we're we're reaching out to a group of folks uh, who probably wouldn't come through our doors. Mm. Uh, and being that they all spoke Spanish and most of us don't, most likely they wouldn't come. So that's a pretty good easy explanation for for this story. So yeah, Ben, I'm going to turn to you. Give us a quick background of where you grew up. Yep. What led you to this area? And, uh, yeah, even just a little bit of story of, like, what God has done in your life. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, my my uh, full name is Benjamin Santa Maria Ramirez. That's wow. probably something you never heard. Okay. I'll remember <laughs> that. I was born in Mexico City and uh, uh, grew up in Mexico City, got married in Mexico City. And uh, so my life was in Mexico uh, in Spanish. Uh, some, somewhere along the line. I learned how to speak English, even though I didn't need it in in, in Mexico, but I learned about Mm. it. And uh, I was born in a Christian family, Mm. uh, so uh, all I knew my whole life was going to church. Uh, So so the most difficult part for my life was to realize that even though I've been going to church all my life, I needed Christ. Mm. Uh, Somehow I couldn't understand that, you know, I haven't done anything wrong. You know, I probably attended church six days a week since I was born. <laughs> and so when somebody uh, talked to me about salvation, I would go like, yeah, I accept the Lord. But, uh, you know, I couldn't really understand what that meant. Uh, in the church I was growing up, I I went to the altar dozens of times. Lots of altar calls. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every time they call, <laughs> I, I'll go up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, t- it took some time for the Lord, and, and they, the Lord was so gracious. Uh, he allowed me to start playing music when I was 13, mm. 
already from from a stage and uh, recording and traveling and doing a lot of music uh, throughout my teenage teenagers years. So that that meant that I didn't have a chance to misbehave, if you would, because I was busy for the Lord. Mm. And then little by little, I understood what it was, what it meant to be saved, what it meant to need the Lord, and uh, you know, understand grace and mm. all, all together. And uh, so by the time I understood that, I, I reached a point where I said, Lord, do with my life whatever you want to do. Mm. It was it was just a, a, a point blank decision. Just do whatever you want to do. Mm. And uh, so the Lord moved us to uh, to the U.S. through through my work, uh, the company I was working for. They they moved us to to the U.S. Mm. Um, it, it, they did everything for us. They from the move, from the paperwork, visa, passport, everything. So when I came to the to the U.S., our family came to the U.S. We didn't really know what the Hispanic community was going through to be here because we came pretty much with a, with a, you know the uh, red carpet, if you would. Um, uh, so we were attending a church in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, uh, it was. A huge church, probably three thousand, four thousand members, but it was Afro American. Uh, okay, so, wow. Yeah, so that's the unique culture. Very shock unique, right there. Very unique, yeah. and uh, we were really, really pale in there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um, so the pastor there asked me to teach, to start teaching them, uh, to take some Sunday school classes and start mm. teaching them. I've, I didn't feel comfortable. My English is is not that you know, and uh, I never I never thought I could teach Bible or anything such. Mm. So in my mind, I was just a musician. And uh, then he says, "Well, what about if he teaches Spanish?" Mm. I couldn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how, did, how could I say no? And so that through that, the Lord opened my my heart to understand that where He wanted me to go mm. to to be a pastor or teacher. And once it clicked. When, when I once I understood, okay, so I think Lord, this is what you want for me. Then we moved our company moved to uh, to Northern Virginia. We were in in Reston, uh, and that's where we started attending the first Hispanic congregation. And that's when I started seeing the need, uh, how how uh, the Hispanic community lives, how yeah. the uh, the culture is so different, um, even though we are in the same country. Uh, one thing is to attend an English church, even though you are Hispanic, you go to, to, the, to the Anglo church. And another thing is to understand the culture of the church that you are attending. Mm. Uh, so I, I understood that uh, through a, our passes for that, for that church. And then uh, on 2011, uh, I got laid off from that company that mm. moved us over here. Uh, so I faced my, f- my first time looking for a job in the U.S. Mm. without not knowing how to work. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, oops. What am I gonna do? Uh, and the Lord somehow find a way to move us to Front Royal, mm-hmm. and that's where uh, pretty much our paths started getting closer and, and cross by. Mm. Uh, Let me pause your story there because I'm curious. You keep referencing culture, the Hispanic yes. culture in America. Yes. So you've bounced from Atlanta to Reston to then Front Royal. Royal. What are the differences and what are the similarities? Because I want to get around to where you can educate our audience of what's the culture here in the Winchester area. Right. But what have you experienced around the country that's similar? Well, uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, where we lived, everybody says uh, greetings to everybody. Hmm. 
doesn't matter where you are, everybody goes, hey, how are you doing? Everywhere, you know. We went to Reston, nobody talks to you. <laughs> the, the, the traffic is crazy, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's a, a extremely fast life. And uh, so we went to, uh, we moved to Front Royal, and uh, our daughter, Ashley, uh, for, for a couple of years, she decided to attend a church in D.C. Mm. because she said that everything, everywhere I look, I just see fields, cows, horses, <laughs> where did you, <laughs> you know, where did you move did, us? <laughs> how did we end up here? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it is a totally different culture, totally different uh, environment. And uh, uh, so, and, and on top of that, the Hispanic uh, community that comes here doesn't really comes with the idea of embracing a new culture. Mm. They're actually looking for the same products that they had in their country. Mm. They, they're looking to celebrate the same uh, familiar days that they, they used to have, uh, that sort of thing. So uh, that automatically creates a little bit of separation mm. uh, on, on what do we do as, as, a, as a Yeah, interesting. Culture. Not really looking to uh, synthesize into our community, but to say, this is who I am, this is my identity, Absolutely. is my culture, yeah. and to distinguish themselves that way totally is that still similar here in the winchester area absolutely and yeah. uh one one example if if, if you would uh, you probably remember uh, walmart a couple of years ago there was no hispanic aisle you yeah. know but now you have to have a, a just a dedicated aisle for our products mm-hmm. which quite frankly if you go through it you have beans here you have beans over there <laughs> <laughs> They're the same thing, you know, <laughs> but no, I gotta buy the ones that are for my country because yeah. probably tastes better. Interesting. They're the same. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Scott, I'll turn your way, and um, you know, around this time frame, 2011, 12, 13, 14, leading up there, uh, FBC did not plant a church yet. Mm-hmm. Um, there is little rumblings yeah. in, in uh, amongst kind of where is God leading us. We did have. Uh, a couple of Spanish-speaking uh, attendees yes. at FBC at that time who met in the building. Mm-hmm. Walk us through kind of what that transformation looked like. Yeah. So in 2012, um, I actually invited a dozen guys to come together for a season of prayer about church planning. Uh, and just, just I gave them kind of a list of things to be praying about, and after a couple months we'd get back together and we'd talk about what what the Lord laid on their heart. And to a man, everyone said, so why aren't we already planning a church? Hmm. That was the overall, why are we not already doing this? Hmm. Because we see throughout Scripture that we're called to multiply, God is ascending God, and we haven't gone anywhere. Hmm. So that was already in the move. So I took that back to the elders and say, okay, this is where, you know, this is just a, a smattering of men that I've asked to, to pray for this why aren't we planting a church? So kind of placing those seeds in the ground hmm. of church planting already. Uh, the folks that we already had here that were part of, they had their own kind of a sm- basically a Bible study, mm-hmm. uh, a, a Spanish-speaking Bible study. And when I say Spanish-speaking, uh, that's their only real commonality, and Ben can talk a little bit about this. Uh, you know, He has numerous people from different countries coming to his church. They all have different cultures from different countries, hmm. The only similarity for some of them is that they speak Spanish, and even some of that Spanish doesn't make sense to, to <laughs> everybody. So it's very loosely knit when we 
lump everybody together mm-hmm. as Hispanic. That's really kind of a it's a it's a bucket we can put it in, but it's not a very good one, right? Um, for that. So yeah, we <clears throat> at the same time for local outreach, we decided we need to to kind of focus in an area and not spread ourselves a mile wide, but to come together and to to figure out where the best places to put our resources are. So with all of our research, the Corals Elementary School District um, at the time was the poorest district in the area. Mm. And in fact, at the time, it was the poorest district in Virginia. Mm. So that was the area that we decided, okay, we're going to put our energies and focuses in this area. Later on, we learned that 65% of the households in that area are Spanish speaking. Mm. Mm. So it wasn't like we sought it out or even thought through that. It just happened to be. Didn't even have to leave town to potentially find an opportunity for. Didn't even have to leave town. A plant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Didn't have to go too far to, again, find a place uh, and a people group that wouldn't come here. Mm -hmm. So we Mm -hmm. didn't have to go too far for that. So once God laid that on on our hearts here as a church, then what were the next steps that that were taken? Because there's going to be some merging of stories here, but there's some cool things that happen along the way. Yeah, so we we started by asking the school, how can we help? Mm. And the principal at the time... She was brand new in the school, and she said, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure how you can help. So we ended up starting a few reading groups within the school, and we kept asking, okay, what are the things that you can, what do you need? And one day I was actually in the office, and I asked that question, again, how can we help? And there in the office is a first grader translating for her mom. Hmm. Because mom doesn't speak English, but the first grader does. And in the midst of that, the principal says, have you ever taught an ESOL class? (laughs) And I said, no, but I'm willing to learn. (laughs) So we ended up starting an ESOL class uh, that met at the school in the evenings for adults, for those parents. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we would offer child care and homework help with the more elementary age kids. Uh, So that was the beginning of pulling some Hispanic folks together, again, around language Mm. and specifically learning English. Mm. So that was the beginnings of kind of gathering, gathering that pool of people together. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the same time, Ben was in Stephen City uh, trying to pull together a pool of people there. (laughs) So, Ben, you you got laid off. Yes, I got laid off. And you're in Front Royal. Yes. And your family's like... What, what am I doing, doing here? here? Yes. Exactly. Uh, we were we were renting a place in Winchester, but I was driving all the way to uh, uh, from Royal to to work, and the first thing we did we we tried to uh, find a Hispanic church where to belong to, mm-hmm. and uh, that was the first the very first indication that the Lord needed uh, to plant a uh, Bible based church in the in the area because we couldn't get into anyone. Uh, their their practices, their theology, their mm-hmm. it, it was just totally all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on my way to work, right there in um, uh, the dinosaur land, I guess uh, uh, there was there was a, a, a Baptist church. Yes, Anglo Baptist church. Yeah, dinosaur land, that corner intersection there, five twenty two. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yep. And um, uh, so it just kind of kind of kind of just I saw it. I'm like, well, that's what we're gonna be meeting, you know. Mm. 
that's going to be our, our home church. And I got, we got in there and, uh, uh, pastor Mike opened, opened his arm really, uh, nicely. And we, we will have a few Hispanics that will show up <laughs> every now and then. Uh, but they will leave really quickly. Everything was in English. They couldn't understand anything. So pastor said, why don't you open a service in Spanish hmm. just for these people? It wasn't even, uh, uh, you know, plant a church. It just, one of the services, uh, so we decided to make it a Saturday, uh, just make it for the Hispanic uh, folks and, mm. and bring it in. And that's how everything started. Mm. You know? What year, what time frame are we talking? Uh, we're talking this? about August 2013. Okay. So August 2013, you're starting to at least do some church services in a Baptist church. Yes. In Stephen City near Dinosaur Land. Yes. How many people then started attending? Uh, we became uh, we became about 30 people. It was okay. It was a nice group of give or take mm-hmm. uh, so God how did God lead you and show and and connect you to Fellowship Bible Church well uh, that that church was renting the building and so eventually they purchased a building in uh, Middletown mm-hmm. so we moved with them to Middletown and uh, turns out the Middletown with all the uh, historical places that they have over there and you know there is a lot of police activity there hmm. And the Hispanic didn't like that. <laughs> mm. So out of those 30, 35 that we were, we went down to eight. And that is including my family. So we were only five in the congregation. Wow. So people just stopped going because they uh, thought there were too many police yeah. around. Yeah. We had one lady that the husband will drop her off at the gas station. And she will walk to church because he will say, I'm not driving through this town. Wow. Just like that. Uh, so eventually, the Lord put in my heart a question. What if Pastor Mike, Mike says, forget it. We're going to shut down this thing because, I mean, it's not working. Mm-hmm. So that question, it was really heavy on my heart. W- what am I going to do? You know, Even though we only have five, what am I, go- what am I going to do with these five? Mm. Uh, so that, that, I just started looking around. What am I going to do? I, I, I reached out for the Baptist uh convention to see if they can help us out so i just start branching around to mm-hmm. see what i can do mm-hmm. and one morning uh scott sandmeyer uh went to that church to give us uh, uh, a talk to the men group that we met over there so that's how we met him so it was actually scott McManigal. McManigal. yeah i got that wrong yes. yeah that's okay <laughs> yeah. i'm sorry it wasn't Mc- you right the other scott, scott so McManigal's neighbor yes john john um invited Scott to come to a men's meeting, meeting at yeah. that at the Stephen City Church and a Middletown. Or it was in Middletown at that point. Yeah. And that is when Scott met Ben yep. for the first time. And um, as the rest of they would say, it was history from there. But at the at the same time we were thinking, okay, we have this group of people coming to this ESOL class and we're looking at expanding that possibility, who's gonna lead this? Um, we'd even toyed with the, th- the thought of taking someone that we knew mm. from mm-hmm. Mexico mm-hmm. who was at a church there and moving them here. One of our global church one partners. One of our gr- global church partners and right. moving them here and have them plant the church. Mm-hmm. But then we realized the expense, the time, how long it would take to get them here was really starting to be a Herculean effort uh, to 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 do that so we immediately said okay we need to look somewhere else doors started closing one after another one after of another. of fbc pursuing somebody like that pretty quickly 
And then all of a sudden, one day, Scott McManigles has an interaction with his neighbor yeah. who says, hey, there's this l- little church over here. This guy, yeah, come meet up. Yep. Right? And, and so then as you then begin interacting with Fellowship Bible Church, what, what was God showing you well, in that time? Well, a couple of things. Uh, I, I got that question in my heart uh, March 2015. Uh, so I started branching around. And I talked to Pastor Mike and said, I said, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to move out of the church. And I'm going to start preparing. I, I was involved in different ministries there. So I'm going to start preparing people to take over. And uh, we set a day. We said, okay, by October 2015, I'm going to be gone. Hmm. So we, we, we set up a plan for six months. And I started actively working on that. Uh, and when I met with uh, fellowship, the first meeting, we only agree, agreed that uh, the Lord had something in his heart for Winchester, mm. for the Hispanic community. That was the first agreement. Mm-hmm. We didn't sign anything. We didn't do anything. We said, you know what? I think that we are up to something. The Lord wants a Hispanic church in Winchester. Mm-hmm. That was the first agreement. And then a couple of meetings later and so on, in uh, October 1st, 2015, I became part of the staff of fellowship. So mm. it was the same time frame that I... God had led in your heart that October was going to be the time, and he proved himself faithful yeah, with indeed. that. As he always do. <laughs> it's amazing what yeah. just looking back to see stories of what God has done. And that's not, that's not the only story. You know, so, so now you are officially a part of FBC's staff, yes. but yet we have to find a location. Yeah. Where is this going to be? So yeah. yeah, through that whole time, I, um, I, I was taking a day a week to walk through those neighborhoods and pray for those people. And I would invite folks to come and join me in that. So part of that was praying for space, mm-hmm. for a location that was in that area. And if you've ever driven around that area, it's pretty much just uh, houses and apartments. There's not a lot of commercial space right. in that in that district so that was a that was a big concern and we started out with the church meeting here at fbc and again having folks come here we knew it was going to be kind of a down uh downfall you want you really we really felt that god was like you need to be there yeah. where the people were living in that quarrels district in that region mm-hmm. yeah. so who remembers how that came to be with the building? Well, uh, the pressure, the Lord, the Lord put, a, put a pressure on our heart one day, and uh, you may don't remember this, but uh, we invited a family to meet with us that Sunday on, in the basement, that we were doing in the basement, and uh, they were in the parking lot driving around trying to figure out where to get in the building mm. and where we were, you know. And somebody pulled the, the fire alarm in the building. So we'll have to... In the FBC building. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yes, yep. that morning. Yep. And uh, so we all went out, you know, uh, and then we find the people. And, and they said, well, we were just about to leave because we couldn't figure out how to get in. <laughs> so that was... that was. Uh, you couldn't get better indication that we have to have a place. Mm. Uh, the, Lord, the Lord really shows that we have to have a place where they can really find us. And that's, that's how we started walking around, going around, making phone calls, looking for place. And I don't know how many we, we visited and took pictures. And Yeah, uh, we a, a number of places we looked at were downtown. And uh, even the one <laughs> was 
a little too close to town hall. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That was a little scary. <laughs> yeah, it was just a little too close to town yeah. hall. And again, uh, so yeah, we, we eventually found this space on on South Loudon Street. Mm-hmm. And, and just the way that God used that opportunity to have an owner of a building allow mm-hmm. you to rent and do the modifications to a building to turn into a church yeah. is near miraculous in yeah. the location that mm-hmm. is walking distance for many many people absolutely and, and that happened 2016 mm-hmm. just blocks from Quarles elementary school yeah yeah so now we're in a building yes um, let's pause this story because okay. um i i like teasing people a little bit here <laughs> because there's more to the story now that we have set the groundwork of what god did behind the scenes leading up to the church coming to existence paint a picture for the need in the community you alluded to it a little bit but i want to dive a little bit deeper of how you've experienced different kind of Hispanic churches, right. different kind of theologies, and you've more than alluded to the fear that people live in, mm-hmm. not even wanting to drive by an area that they know police are, or be at a church near a town hall. Uh, what is going on behind the scenes in the Hispanic community that we don't know about? Yeah, there are, there are many, many things that uh, we see them, the the American people see them, and they are really just we don't understand these people. Um, but uh, the first thing that you that you have is a bunch of people from lots of countries. Uh, you know, the the uh, everybody says, "Oh, you are Hispanic, so you are from Mexico." That that is that no. is not true. Yeah, <laughs> right. That is that is. Uh, so you have many many people from many many countries that are coming to this to this uh, area. Uh, trying to make a living with the purpose of sending money back because mm. every single one of them left family behind. Mm. And uh, so one thing that we see, uh, we we patronize them too much. Uh, we have walked into places where the only, the only furniture that you see is a folding table with some folding chairs, and you, you immediately think, these people are so poor, we've got to help them out. Mm. And they say, wait a minute, we don't want to spend money here. Hmm. We want to send the money back to our country. So we are just happy with what we have. Hmm. Uh, some of them work uh, three jobs because that's all what they come here to do, to work. So that's, that's one of the biggest uh, needs that they have. Hmm. They come here for money. And then uh, the culture, the, uh, the Hispanic culture is family oriented. Uh, you may have a lot of people from other countries that they're really good living alone, not the Hispanics. Mm-hmm. They have to have family. Mm-hmm. So then you become with the, uh, with, the, with the fact that they have a second family here, another family back there. Then they start having kids here, and then the gap in the generation and in the, in the language start right away. The kids learn English. Uh, the parents don't speak English. Uh, they are hardly a home because they're always working. And so, so you have a, a big gap in the generation. You need to reach to that generation. Uh, and that's the biggest difficulty that we face. You know, uh, We call ourselves a Hispanic church, uh, but half of what we do, we do it in English hmm. because of that generation. We hmm. have to reach out to them. Hmm. We have to embrace them and uh, make sure that we keep that family together. Uh, other churches, perhaps, they do split the congregation. If you speak English, you go to that room. If you speak Spanish, mm. you go to that room. 
we try to keep them together as much as long as we can uh, because the family is very important for, for, for the community. It's almost like there is a continual ESOL class yes. occurring within church. If you're saying that you're doing both Spanish and English to reach out to each generation. Absolutely. That's that's fascinating, uh, <laughs> you know, to where you are, yes, a Hispanic or Spanish-speaking church, but yet you're doing both. Yeah, we have to. That makes it challenging. It is very challenging. <laughs> and as the kids grow and they get out of out of high school, it becomes another challenge. Mm. What are these kids going to choose? They're going to they're going to embrace the Hispanic, uh, you know, heritage. They're going to go and say, "I'm a Hispanic. I'm going to try that," or they're going to just flip, mm. and they're going to be ashamed of saying that they speak Spanish, mm. because that happens, and mm. we've seen it. Uh, so, so there's many many challenges in the community. Mm. So, why the fear then? What what's going on there where people are scared to interact with police or government or? Well, White uh, people, even. I, I don't want to go too deep into that one, Kay. but but uh, uh, news networks uh, they are to blame on a, on a big scale. Mm. Uh, uh, let's say the conservative news that you have everywhere in the U.S. They don't have Hispanic channels, mm. but the you know the leftist, if you would, um, uh, networks they do. Uh, so. The parents that don't speak English, they're gonna watch this kind of news, and uh, so all they all they know is fear. Mm. You know, uh, they're gonna come and get you. There is a bus waiting for you to, to send you back. You know, mm. uh, perfect example. The ESOL when when the ESOL ended was the the Monday after uh, President Donald Trump got elected. We had 26 families. The next Monday, nobody showed up. Mm. It was just like that. Oh no! So we went to knock at the doors, and the parents will send the kids, and they will open just a little bit. Is your is your daddy? Uh, mm, 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 what you want? Wow! <laughs> yeah, just like that. Uh, they they live in fear, and then the, the theology that they get at church, and that's the biggest need, is is a theology of fear. You know, mm. you sin. That's it. You go you go to hell. <laughs> just mm-hmm. like that, and. Uh, so trying to get them out of that fear, try to get them out of that abuse that they have had at church, uh, abuse at work. Um, many of them won't have uh, documents to work, legal documents. So mm-hmm. they, will, they will find one opportunity to work. And because they cannot change, they cannot, they cannot just apply for another job anywhere, they will be abused at the workplace as well because they know they cannot leave. And, uh, so th- it's a community that is living constantly in fear, hmm. being hurt, being abused. So you're, you're, you're working through these emotions of people in your congregation that are coming, exposing them to the gospel, mm-hmm. exposing them to, to love and grace yep. and mercy yep. and, and all those things. Is there a specific story that over the years that you've seen God change people or a specific person in oh, your congregation? Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, 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 Familia um, Tranquilino. Uh, I met this guy at work probably 2011. Uh, he was probably abusing substance uh, probably just all the time that he was not at work. <laughs> that Put it that way. Uh, he was uh, as a stubborn, as a rebel as you may, <laughs> I mean, you name it. Mm. Uh, and of course, I talking to him, inviting him 
to to come to church to know Christ and and he will just <coughs> won't take it. I mean, he's he's just no way. One day, I found him at quarrels. It turns out that that his family, his uh, children, were attending quarrels. So I find him in quarrels. That would be 2016, probably. I find him in there, and I say, "Hey, we're having a uh, movie night. Uh, we do movie night on uh, on Halloween. Mm. Uh, so we ha- we're having this movie night, uh, family night. Will you come?" And he said, "Yes." He never said yes to that. So okay, well, got it. We got the, the movie night, and uh, I was embarrassed that my congregation did not show up, but his family showed up. Hmm. So the whole thing was just for him. Wow. And the Lord touched his heart that night, hmm. and then he just turned around uh, big time. Hmm. Uh, he's one of our leaders at the church today, and uh, hmm. his entire family has come to Christ, been baptized and everything. Uh, yeah, it was just... The way the Lord meant every step for every person that is at the church is just amazing. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Scott, I'm going to turn to you. Let's pick up the story now. So when, when we talk about a church plant, um, there, there is an involvement of Fellowship Bible Church in this church. So mm-hmm. this is the first one for FBC. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we're navigating new waters yeah. as we're partnering with Ben and a church. What, what went on behind the scenes for those years and what ultimately is the goal? So why are we here today having this conversation? It's yeah. kind of two big questions there. Yeah, two big questions. So partnering with a, you know, a church plant, we have some thresholds that we're looking to cross before that church is no longer a plant, becomes its own entity unto itself. So some of those thresholds are uh, having elders and leaders to, to lead the church. Another is that they're financially stable enough to keep the church going. And then ongoing ministries that are self-replicating. So those are some of the thresholds that we look at. Uh, so for the Hispanic church, they, they, they've hit all those thresholds. Uh, so it's kind of like, you know, sending that kid off to college. <laughs> you know, they, they've grown up, they've checked all the boxes, and now we're, we're kind of pushing them into standing on their own two feet and, and living that life that, that we have been hoping for them the whole time. Mm. Since day one, our hope is that they would be a standalone church and that they would be self-governing and self-regulating and, and that they would be interacting and outreaching into their own communities. Mm. Um, and that's where we're at today. Mm. Uh, so we, we're standing in that space. Those interacting with you know, just touching on some of those things, Ben, I'll turn to you. The development of elders, the, the financial stability, the interacting and engaging community, whether it be doing VBSs or movie nights like that. Mm-hmm. Just, I want to touch on a couple of those. Just You mentioned the story of the guy yeah. who is now a key leader in your church. How has God developed leaders along yeah. the way? Well, we have the need. We have the goal, but we have the need. Uh, beyond the goal, it was a need to have somebody governing the church along myself it it was it wasn't many of the needs that we had i will bring it to the elders here mm. try to explain the best that i can what we wanted mm-hmm. but it wasn't it wasn't the same that they understood it, it, they like, we don't do those things <laughs> and well like, but that's what we do and so that was a need to mm. to have a, a body governing the church with me so uh what i decided to do and i guess the lord put that on my heart to teach the elder classes for a year hmm. to every single man at church. 
So we gathered every man. We said, this, this class is going to be for everybody every Saturday for, for a year. Mm. And uh, so we went through it. Uh, we did all the training. And at the end, we start praying. Okay, so now, now that you know what it means to be an elder, let's see whose heart God is touching mm. to become an elder. And that's how the Lord uh, bring uh, uh, Pascual and Raphael as an elders of the church. They said, you know what, I think, I think the Lord is, is talking to me. Uh, but it was an effort to educate the whole church. Uh, one of the efforts that we have done is to de-educate as they come from different countries, different churches, different uh, you know, backgrounds theologically, uh, and de-educate them, re-educate them, uh, you know, how, how to interpret the Bible and, mm-hmm. and apply the Bible uh, correctly, I guess. Um, so that was a whole period of a year just to go through mm. training, uh, a very serious training, uh, and, and then lead, letting the Lord touch the heart that needed right. be, to be touched. So that's that's how the training has happened, every single step. So talk then about the financial independence. Yeah. How has how well, God blessed your church, and what, what do you see the congregation uh, yeah. impacting just with— because you're saying they're sa- the, the culture is to save a lot of money and send it back home. Yep and live on basic means. Absolutely. And, and here there's a, a biblical call to, yep. to give and to be a part of a church body and Absolutely. to help support that. So how have you yep. seen that work together? You know, it is amazing to see that the church, in terms of numbers, have been the same. We haven't grown exponentially. We haven't, you know, we don't have 2,000 people there. Uh, we have pretty much the same amount of people, about 60 mm. that we met. And some, as many churches happen, they leave, and the Lord brings another family the mm. next Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, our finance has been pretty steady for the last three years. Mm. Pretty much the same average. It hasn't changed <laughs> for the for the last three years. So how the Lord is touching their hearts, I, I'm not really sure. But we have our first test with Jordan, Jordan Haspe. Uh, we sent him to Colombia as a missionary. Uh, how, how long ago was that? Uh, 2019. Yeah. 2019. Mm-hmm. So, so I talked to the congregation. Um, so Jordan has finished his internship, and he's pretty much loose. So he he has no support. He has nowhere to go, and uh, we have a really good opportunity to support a ministry, you know, uh, from our own. Mm. Uh, but let's understand that the day that we don't, that they don't bring our, our offerings, he has no means to to survive. Uh, so we did some some. Please, you know, and, and everybody said, well, I can do $50 every month. Okay, whatever you can. So once we got all that together, we said, Jordan, this is what we can give you every month. All right? And he says, okay. And that was the first test. Hmm. Can we sustain somebody, uh, full-time ministry, uh, from our church? Hmm. And it has happened uh, since then. We, we've been uh, even, we have been able to increase his monthly support throughout the years, mm. you know, significantly Neat. for him. Uh, and, and so that, that was where we realized, you know what, I think the Lord can support this church as well. And uh, so we started looking at the finance and how we're doing. Well, mm. for the last three years, uh, honestly, the only support that we got financially from fellowship was my support. But everything else, the church paid for it. And, mm. uh, you know, so we, we saw the Lord was faithful in that area as well, you know, without... Without having t- 
without having me to preach every Sunday about giving. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Nobody wants yeah. to do that. Yeah. Mm, no. Nobody wants to listen to that. <laughs> no. No. Exactly. Yeah. So then the last, uh, you mentioned a few different things, Scott, but the other is just kind of the replication of ministries or uh, discipleship components of exponentially growing and reaching out into the community. Yeah. Uh, Share just a couple examples about that. I mean, I know, I know VBS is one. Um, other opportunities of how you see the congregation really pursuing and having a heart for growing the Absolutely. community and, and bringing people in. And VBS is, is a really, I, I love that example because we changed the concept of VBS. Uh, uh, our congregation is, is uh, working families. Mm. So ask them to be off for three, four, five days during the morning to celebrate VBS, it was impossible. Yeah. It was no way. Asking to have who's gonna serve during those hours, it was totally impossible. How do we embrace the community in a way that is meaningful for them, that they can actually come? Uh, so we decided to make it a summer camp, and that is every July, we do every Friday of July, mm. that's our VBS. Mm. And then we realized that VBS typically goes all the way to fifth grade sometimes sixth grade, but typically stops on fifth grade. Mm -hmm. So we said, so what do we do with our teenagers? You know, how, how do we embrace our teenagers? So uh, this year will be the third year that they develop the, the VBS hmm. theme, uh, uh, pets, mascots, uh, songs, everything. They're creating their own curriculum. They're creating their own curriculum. Yeah. I, I blessed it, but <laughs> <For sure. laughs> got to watch what teenagers try to come you know, up with, right? <laughs> yeah, you have to. Uh, but, but yeah, they do it, and and they do their own drawings and everything. So uh, they normally start in January. So by mm. now, we have the themes this year, mm -hmm. the, the songs and everything, and we just go through the motions. And then when VVS comes, we don't do nothing. Yeah, they lead the congregation, they lead the classes, they lead everything. Yeah, uh, and, and so that's how we embrace the community, how we embrace everybody, and how we reproduce. Uh, teenagers typically, after when when they turn fifteen, we invite them to be assistants at the Sunday school class, so they they get an exposure how to teach and that kind of thing. Mm. So we we try to get them engaged as 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 much as we can. That's great. Our our worship band, you know, kids twelve, thirteen years old, all of them learning music uh, in mm. with us in church, you know, in, in the house. Uh, I mean, we try to develop from within mm -hmm. as much as we can. Hmm. That is a lot to praise God for. It certainly mm -hmm. is. I mean, there it, it's all the work of Him. Nothing that we could have ever invented uh, or created. Absolutely. Any <laughs> on the FBC side, would you have imagined that? What What's next um, of, of our partnership, and what What does this really look like, and and how can we pray for? you ben mm -hmm. and and scott kind of what what can we as a church um really do to continue to support them because we don't again this is a celebration but not again a a split mm -hmm. so what's the continual desire here for our relationship yeah and in the church planning world of fbc uh, we are looking at and in the process of creating a church planters residency mm. So people ask me all the time, so where's the next church plant going to be? Mm. And I happily say, I don't know. <laughs> um, but really, what our, we don't want to focus on the where. We want to focus on the who. Mm. And that was one of the things that we learned with this church plant was the who, Ben, was way more important 
than the wear. Mm. So we want to focus our energies on training and deploying the who. Mm. So our we're we're in the midst of creating this curriculum for church planters. It's a residency, so they'll be right here on on the campus. Um, and eventually, we will have a, and uh, you know, in this, at least in my thinking, uh, a, a network of churches that have graduated, much mm. like IBHW, mm. uh, and and that network will get together on occasion mm. as well, mm-hmm. uh, not only to celebrate what God's doing, uh, but to to share ideas and thinking and and you know resources and uh, even you know swapping you know pastors for uh, you know a, a weekend because you know they they go on vacation or they go on missions trips sometimes <laughs> right. and sometimes. they need somebody to fill in yeah uh, so IBHW would be the you know the first church mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of that network yeah so how can we pray for you Ben and the congregation absolutely uh, if, if we go with this analogy of the 18 years old and you know uh, you probably remember when you were 18 uh, kind of <laughs> thought I knew everything, right? Yeah, that's the first thing, right? <laughs> I try to forget this. a lot about being yeah, 18. I know. Right. <laughs> and you never thought about retirement when you were 18. Yeah. Uh, but we need to start thinking about the next, the next uh, age of the church. What mm-hmm. are we going to do mm-hmm. when all, all our kids only speak English? Mm-hmm. Uh, so who's going to be the next leader that's going to take over that English-speaking congregation that mm-hmm. is part of IBHW, mm-hmm. but is but it's an English congregation. So what are we going to do mm. uh, to have a consistent growth uh, spiritually, but also keep the family together? That's really the key, the key elements that we, that we need to watch for. Not as much as uh, getting the building filled of, of people, but rather how do we keep that community as a family, even though the kids are growing, they're going to go to college, they're going to they're gonna have different ideas. So how do we embrace them as a church? How are you preparing and deploying, right? Exactly. Because it's almost like you're saying you're, you're, it's a, it's okay to say that you're in a 60-person, 70-person kind of cycle of yeah. seasons of people attending the church. So you're preparing, you're deploying, and so how are you building to the next generation, That's building to the future, maybe a church plant yourself, Absolutely. potentially. So there's all kinds of things of like just yeah. seeing yeah. what's on the horizon for that. As a matter of fact, we have a meeting that we do every week in uh, Charlestown, West Virginia. So mm. that, that will be our next church planting in there, you know. But if I go there, who takes care of this one? Mm. Or who do I send over there? Mm. You know, that's that's deploying for the next generation. That's really the next the mm. next thing on our heart. How mm. do we uh, make that sustainable and uh, successful as this story that we are to- talking about today? Yeah. Well, Scott, Ben, thank you guys thank you. for thank sharing you. the story. And again, the work is not done yet, but it's know. just neat to always... Take a moment, pause, look backwards, see what God has done Amen. to know that he's faithful yeah. and we can have confidence in him in the unknown of what's going to happen in the future, looking to him to not find the where, but the who. Yeah. So, well, thank you guys for watching and listening and being a part of today's episode. Just keep in mind that um, this is a podcast called Fellowship Family here at FBC where we want to share stories and this is just one example of a story that can be shared so we want to hear from you as well so remember that you can always go to fbcva.org podcast to submit your story or questions so we can get a chance to be encouraged by what's happening in your life and remember we also have the other podcast channels whether it be sermon spotlight or the global 
Church podcast. So tune into those, subscribe to those, and tell your friends so they can learn more about what God is doing in FBC and around the world. Well, thank you so much for watching and listening. And until we chat again, let's let Christ be the focus of our lives each and every day. Thank you.